Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. And we are so glad you're here. We are actually wrapping up our, uh, our series this morning, that there's still time, but uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to continue with another series looking at the Holy Spirit being le- Spirit-led. Um, so I would challenge you, if you are new, you're, if you're new in Christ, if you are a new believer in Christ, man, the next step is getting in tune with the Holy Spirit learning how he works, how he's to be involved in your life, and how to hear the voice of God. Uh, That's the secret sauce to ministry. That's how we're leading a church. That's how we're knowing what to do, what not to do. Um, But it's important to, uh, first and foremost, have that relationship with God. Now, uh, before I jump into this, we have worked really hard at sharing the heart of God, sharing the gospel uh, you know, uh, Brother Pat did a great job just calling on his name last week. Like, man, if you will call out to God, he will answer. He will invade whatever situation you're going through. He will come to your aid. But it's by our response. It's by our movement. It's by our action doing something that changes the situation. I think about that story. You know, what if the man would not have cried out? Would Jesus have just passed by and he would have missed the moment? Right? Right? Thank God it didn't happen like that. But I think about things like that. What if I would have worried about the crowd or what if I thought, man, he doesn't want me. He doesn't care about me. Why would he heal me? But nonetheless, that crying out got the heart of God's response and Jesus stopped and he turned and he responded. And that is one of the greatest moments in our life. The moment that Jesus stops and he acknowledges us and he sees us and he responds to our need. Sometimes we know that need. Sometimes we don't know that need. But nonetheless, Father God is a good God who cares about us. But every single day that we have breath in our lungs, there is still time to make that commitment to God. So the first thing is the most important thing I would say in your life is find Jesus. Number one. Don't matter, you know, that's going to fix a lot of problems. That's going to fix a lot of things in your life. But the first thing that you have to do is find Jesus. Secondly, after we find Jesus, the goal is to bring others. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, bringing others with you. Bringing others to church, inviting them, you know, sharing the gospel proactively. Like, man, I want to get to heaven and it'd be full of people that I helped or led to a relationship with God. You know, I don't want it to be, you know, to where there's a lot of people, and, and think about this, that go to hell because I didn't say anything. I think about that all the time, and it scares the living daylights out of me because it's like, man, like, there's a kingdom at stake. Lives are real. It's so fragile. Time is precious. But what we do in this life, what we do in this moment is up to us. But have you ever thought about the importance of bringing other people into the house of God? Like, just that simple, bringing people into the house of God. Uh, I know sometimes I have conversations with people, you know, and say, hey, you know, they're talking about their friends or the relationships, different things that they have. And in those relationships, they have friends that they need or they want to come into a relationship they, they want their friends to come into a relationship with God. And in that relationship, I, I said, well, what have you told them? Man, I don't know, Pastor. I'm just going to bring them to church and you can tell them. 
Now, that's a good alternative option, but man, we hope that we're giving you enough content, the, the nuts and bolts of the gospel, all of these little fundamental things so that hopefully you can confidently and just say, hey, well, this is what my pastor said, but guess what? This is what the Bible says, right? So we take those things and we know that the word of God brings life, that it changes the heart condition of people. It has the potential to drastically change. But have you ever thought about the importance of bringing other people into the house of God? Okay, that's a question, you know, that I want us to ask all this morning as we go through this content. Now, if I ask my children, what do we do on Sundays? And now I test this just to make sure I wasn't lying. Now, they thought it was a complete trick question. But I brought them in there and said, hey, what do we do on Sundays? They're like, uh, relax. That's like, wrong answer. No, what do we do on Sundays? Oh, we go to church. Okay, I'm making sure that they know that we know that everybody knows. Guess what we do on Sundays? We go to church. Unapologetically, you know, if we are healthy and we are well, we go to church. Um, we don't cancel. We don't skip. It's going to be very rare that we miss. And this was something that I did even growing up as, as a young man. You know, my home, my family, my parents, we went to church. Like it was not, we never said, oh, I wonder what we're going to do this morning. Not on a Sunday. We might have done that on a Saturday or a school holiday. We never did that on Sunday. Like going to church is what we do. Now, how many of you have struggled with the compromise from culture of thinking that Sunday church is not a big deal and eh, do I really need to go every week? How many of you would be honest that you have felt the pressure of culture to modify that? I mean, if you're like a lot of us, like, it's just like, oh man, if you just stay home, you get a whole nother day to take care of all. It's like, man, that's a bad, that's a bad alignment of priorities. But we have to understand we are fighting a culture that is not pro-church. They are not pro-God. They are doing what they want, how they want. And to me, that is not the best way. So going to church and the whole point of going to church is we just don't go to church just to go, but we come to church, um, to, to be part of the church, to participate, not to come to church, to passively spectate. I hope that you come saying, man, I hope I get the opportunity to encourage somebody. Man, I hope I get to pray for somebody today. I hope I get to shake somebody's hand and be that encouragement that they need. How many of you need encouragement this morning? Amen. Now, I want to challenge you. If you need encouragement, give encouragement. It's a two-way street. That's how we build the culture. That's how we keep the culture. But sometimes we're just waiting to receive something from somebody else. But how that works collectively is we do what we need. If we need love and we need acceptance, sometimes we need to give love and acceptance to those around us. But I hope that this morning, this is a place where you can be encouraged, that you can be loved. Um, I'm looking at all of you as I look around this room. I see that you're here. I am glad that you are here and you made the effort and you put the work in to get here because it's not always easy getting to church. I'm just going to tell you, it's hard, right? It's challenging, but it is a priority. It's important. One of the ways that we can contribute to connecting people to the plan of God sometimes is just by inviting people to church. It's that simple. Like sometimes we think like, well, what do I got to do? And I've been praying for them for a long time. I've been witnessing to them. When is the last time you brought them with you? When is the last time you asked them to come with you? So every single one of us have a personal responsibility to reach the unreached around us. Have you ever thought about how many people you pass by on a regular basis that don't know the Lord or don't go to a church? Now, I always thought everybody goes to church on Sundays, but I'll tell you what, if I skip church right now and I go to H-E-B or Walmart, a lot of people skip church. There's probably more people in H-E-B than in our church right now. 
it's just not a priority. It's not a big deal. They're just living life. But I tell you what, not being part of a church, you are missing a big variable that's going to be helping you in your life. Church is just, it's a healthy thing. It's something that encourages, it lifts you up. Um, but there's people all around us that have never come to church, haven't been part of a church. Uh, there is a book, uh, it's called The Unreached Next Door by Tom Rainier. Love this guy. He does a lot of statistics. He looks at other churches. And um, here's a statistic. You got that next slide. So here's the statistic. Only 2% of church members invite a single unchurched person to church each year. So what does that mean? That means by, based on this statistic, you know, that 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation to anyone within the calendar year. So statistically, uh, 98 of every 100 people here today are keeping Christ to themselves. Pip, we know how many people are here this morning? We got a number? We got at least 150. So we're talking about like, maybe these four have invited people by that statistic. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't feel that that is the culture of this church, but this is the church culture, which is mind-boggling to me. You're telling me four people out of all of these people are inviting people to church regularly based on the statistic. Now, we want to be aware of the statistic. I love statistics because you know what I like to do when I see a negative trend statistic? I like to change that statistic. 140. Pretty, said 150. Pretty close. Um, so that, that's, that's what we're looking at. And so, so we just need to invite them. We hope that in this church uh, we are doing and being the church. Now, I want to challenge you. That doesn't mean you'll, you may never be offended. You may never get frustrated. You may, may never get irritated. Uh, last I checked, even family fights. None of y'all's families fight? It happens, right? So even in the family of God, there's going to be times that you rub kind of your shoulders. But we hope that the benefits of church family life completely outweigh not being part. So I want to encourage you this morning. If there's anything that ever tries to get in the way of you being fully connected to church life, get over it because it's robbing you of the blessing of being part of church. It's not affecting the other person. If you get mad at somebody else and that prevents you from being connected to the church family or coming or bringing others, you got to get over that because that is robbing you of so much health in your life. Amen? It's only punishing you. Well, I ain't going no more because of that. Per You're not going to go because of that person? You need to show up because you still want that benefit. Don't sever yourself from that benefit because of somebody else. Anybody ever done that? I guess you're over that maybe because you're here today. Encourage somebody, man, if they're frustrated or they're not dealing with something, to deal with it. Get back in the house of God because how can we bring people to the house of God if we are not coming to the house of God? Hey, I'm going to go you to, I'm gonna, let's go to a church I don't go to. You're not going to do that. We're going to bring people with us, all right? So somewhere along the way, we quit bringing others to church. Bringing others, others to church is, is sometimes all it takes to help somebody come into a relationship with Christ. Um, just some scriptures to help encourage you. So when Jesus left the earth, he didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us hopeless. He didn't leave us uh, in a configuration where it'd be like, good luck, man. I'll see you when I get back. But this is what he did in Luke 9, 1 and 2. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 disciples... He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Christ, Christ didn't need this authority. He already had this authority. 
But he said to his disciples, go preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick. So what he did, he actually gave them his authority. So when we look at this, the authority that Jesus had, he gave, us, gave it to us. So Jesus returns to the Father in heaven. So Jesus was returning to the Father to play his part so that he could send us a helper to help do our part. Okay? So Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Keep on going. Acts 1, it said, 1, 8, it says, When you receive power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to his people as a gift of promise. He promised it. It was fulfilled. Jesus went to the Father, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to us. He didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us alone. But he actually gave us his Spirit. And where does that Spirit dwell? Inside of every believer. Now, if you're one of those, like, I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing. Like, I don't, it's not for me. You cannot be saved without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That actually says that when we believe in God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives and abides inside of us. So if you're saved today, you got the Holy Spirit too, and he's inside of you. Take it or leave it. Um, you kind of get the Holy Spirit with the package, okay? Because God knew that we would need it. It was going to be a gift to all believers so the Holy Spirit is what releases the power of the Lord in the lives of every single believer. The boldness, the, cur the courageous spirit. But understand, when he said you'll receive power, what was the point? So that you can be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So that you'd have the boldness and the guts to invite people to church. And to me, that's super easy. I didn't, sh I didn't say share like a five-point gospel with them. Just bring them to church. Invite them to church. Get them here. Get them with you, okay? Um, so this power that the Holy Spirit gave us, we have it. Uh, if you're a believer, that's you, okay? Can you say this? Say, I've got the power. Now say it like you really mean it. You're like, I think I got the power. I got the power, and it's living inside of me. What power? The same power that the Holy Spirit has. That authority that's been given to us. We just have to unleash and open and release that power out of us. All right? But we partner with the Holy Spirit. We have access to the power to heal, to deliver, and to set free. So this happens when the Spirit of God is working through us. Oh, we've been commissioned to be witnesses by telling others about Jesus and bringing them close to him. Um, completely blew over our uh, mission statement. But let's look at that. I'm going to back up a few slides. But our mission statement here at Harvest Time Church is bringing all people into a real relationship with Christ by knowing, growing, and going towards their God's given purpose. What is the first part of that mission statement? Bringing. bringing. Is that just my responsibility? Is that just the leadership's responsibility? Bringing is part of all of our responsibility. Bringing them into what? Into a relationship with who? With Christ. Jesus first. <laughs> they got to know God. And then hopefully they know, they grow, and then they go. And then they, then they hopefully whatever your gifting and calling and purpose is, that you begin to see what that is, okay? Uh, so we want to bring people into a relationship with Christ. Um, now, I'm, let me see. You know, when is the last time we've picked people up for church? 
You know, I know that used to be something that was real popular. Hey, I'm going to swing by. I'm going to be there at 830. Be ready. And we pick them up and we bring them to church. I know that's not so common anymore. It's kind of like, hey, we're going to be there at 9 o'clock. Hope to see you there. Like, no, I'm going to drive by your house. I'm going to knock on your door like probably like 815 because I know you ain't up yet. I'm going to go get you and we're going to go to church. When is the last time we were that proactive in, in bringing? Do you understand bringing requires something of you? Because guess what? When you bring them, you got to take them back home. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> when we were younger, we brought a kid to church. We forgot that joker at church and went home without him. We got all, now we live super close to the church, thank God. We get home and <laughs> my mom's like, where's so-and-so? I don't remember who the kid is. I probably blocked it out because I felt like a horrible friend. Um, but we get home, oh no, man, we go back. It was like, hey man, what's up? We, we, we were here for you. Like, I don't know if we ever told him that we straight up forgot him. But um, if you bring somebody to church, make sure you remember to take them home. It's a long walk back to Bay City or Van Vleck or Sargent, depending which direction you're going. But uh, when is the last time we were that involved? Man, it requires something of you. It requires some planning. It re requires some intentionalness. But put the work in, right? If anything, you could say, hey, we can go hang out. They got breakfast. They got coffee. It's always like a crisp 66 in the building. It's cold. You know, like, I don't know. Like, get out of the way. Whatever it is. So, but that is, that is just kind of uh, the draw. But in the context of Scripture... In the atmosphere of worship, my heart is that they experience something far greater than a great experience in some good food. Amen. That they experience the power of God and it completely radically transforms their life. So let's look at this core scripture for this morning. Luke 15, 17 through 20, then I'm going to jump down to 25 and 26. In verse 17, Luke 5, it says, One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and they lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Verse 25, Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. That is the heart of what we hope to experience every single weekend. That we walk away and said, hey, we saw some amazing things today. Remarkable things. Hey, where were you at last week? Well, man, you missed it. You should have been there. You should have seen what God was doing in the house. But I want us to look at this passage, and we're going to take four powerful things. We're going to look at four powerful things that happen when you bring others. Based on that passage. So number one, they experience the power of the Lord. When we bring people with us, they experience the power of the Lord. They may not know what it was. I've heard all kinds of stuff. It's like, man, there's some good vibes in this church. It's like, let's touch vibes. Okay, like... Spirit of God, peace of the Lord. We know what it is, but from an outsider, they don't always know it. Man, it feels like y'all really like each other. Man, it feels like y'all really get along. Like, man, this is a cool place. You know, we've had other people just experience the church, and, you know, then they're, then they're bummed out with their friends. They're like, why did you tell me about this? Y'all do this every weekend, and you haven't invited me? It's like the best hidden secret. It's not a secret unless we keep it a secret. But... 
Man, people are experiencing great things, but the power of the Lord is there. They get to experience His presence. So there's something special about being in the room where people are passionate about seeking God. And then guess what? As we seek Him, we find Him. When we draw near. So in this passage, what, how did it start out? It says that the teachers, the Pharisees, they were all sitting together and they had come from everywhere. You know what they were doing? They were having church. They were sitting around listening to Jesus, but there was something that was powerfully present in that place. It says that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. There was something in the room that, that was the catalyst for a great moment. But when we bring people with us, guess what? We don't just experience that. They experience that. It's like, whoa, 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 what is this? What is this in the room? What is happening? But he was sitting there. He was teaching. They were having church. Can I tell you this? That God's power is in the church even today. If we will give him room and we will give him place and we'll let him do what he wants to do, he will come in and he will change hearts. He will convict and and cause the way that we think to change. He will radically heal, deliver, and set free. Because that's the kind of God we serve. But just like the power to heal was there, the Holy Spirit is here. We have to understand that power came from the power of the Holy Spirit within Jesus during that ministry. And we can tap into that same power. It's not me, it's not you. It's just kind of the vessel. But God does great things in his church when the people of God gather together. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 16, 18. It says, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. Now, this doesn't say on Pastor Noe, I will build my church. On Pastor Morgan, I will build. No, he says on the church. Who is the church? The church. That's like all of us. So on the church, I will build. And it is the church assembled together that the gates of hell will not overcome. But Jesus is the builder of the church, but he releases his power to who? The church. Can you point to yourself? That's me. That's you. That's all of us. He releases his power to us. Man, that is a crazy concept, right? He releases it to us. So the powers are released to the church with the same power that was given to Jesus for the work of his ministry. Because guess what? God is still in the ministry business here and now today. He ain't done yet. It wasn't like Jesus dies like, man, bummed out. We're just going to have to wait. No, he continued that work by the work of the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, but in the vein of his church. The church is who he's empowered I hear a lot of people say, oh, I can, man, I don't know about this organized religion. I don't know about organized religion, but the church only works by organized religion. Like you can't say, I'm going to organize myself. Good luck with that. It's you building a kingdom on yourself, not on a group of people fighting for unity, praying together. Um, You know, keeping the spirit of unity, keeping yourself unoffended, um, being the church, you know, it requires work. Like, there's times that I have to sacrifice, and I have to give, and I have to budge. It can't just be my mindset, but what I've learned, it's better to fight for that unity and work through the indifferences rather than just living life alone. But God has released his power to the church. When the people of God come together, there is the power of God that is released and revealed to us by his presence But the power was released to the church, just like it was given to Jesus. 
When the Holy Spirit is in the room flowing through his people and the power gifts that his spirit releases, that those things are available to you and I. Come on, Jesus. That's what he does. That's who he is. He's got good gifts. But he's given those gifts to the church. Um, When we bring others, you know, they experience the power of the Lord, and that will cause a change in their life. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the New Living Translation, it says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Now, the whole point is that the longer we live and the longer we serve God, the more and more we look like God. If you look more like the world than you ever have, we got major problems going on. We should be looking more and more Christ-like. We should look more saved today than we were on the day of our conversion. Areas of victory, areas of breakthrough, uh, maybe just personal disciplines, uh, you know, knowing more scripture maybe today than, than you ever have. But we should expect to be changed, really what this passage is saying, from exposure to exposure in what? His presence. Do you realize you cannot be in my presence right now and you, you can only be, sorry, you can only be in my presence by being in the room. It's the same way with God. We can only really be in his presence, physical, you know, like think about this, like, you know, and I know streaming at home, you know, different things like that. <laughs> I've streamed at home. I hate it. I'm just saying, like, I mean, it's good, you know, because I can stay connected. I can, man, I tell you what, if I can pick, I'm always going to be in the room. I don't know if there's like a physical extra blessing you get for being in the house of God, but that's how I see it. It's like, man, there's just something different about being in the room with other believers, celebrating what God can do and what he's going to do. So when we bring others with us, they get to experience the power of the Lord, number one. Number two, they get to experience the power of serving each other. Now, If you look around, I hope that you see a church full of people serving each other. No, you take my seat. No, you take my seat. No, you can have my seat. No, somebody just sit down, right? Hopefully we're seeing just a heart of service to each other where we're being kind and we're being considerate, but it's genuine. I don't want it to be fake, right? We want to really, but there is power in serving each other. Serving others is a powerful testimony to the outsider of the church because they see the acts of love towards one another. Kind of mind boggles like, man, what's in it for you? Like, you know, like when the world looks at it, it's like, what's the agenda? What's the motive? What, you know, you're trying to get a promotion in the church. What are you doing? No, this is how we operate. We serve each other. We love each other because this is what God commissioned and this is what God said. John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we serve each other because why? We are his disciples. So serving others is a visual, external example of our love for each other. That's what it's about. How do we love each other? We serve each other. Hey, let me, no, let me pour your coffee. No, let me get you a cup. Hey, you go for, you know, like this extreme hospitality. Man, it's just, it's just a great environment to walk into, but it it's communicates to the world this power of serving each other unconditionally. Not because of motive, but because of heart, because of spirit, because of our love for one another, we will be seen as his disciples. But that love is activated by what we do or what we don't do. All right? So Christ's followers, they're going to be marked as his disciples. 
by truly loving each other. So this is seen by serving each other. You know, sometimes it's easier to serve others than to be served yourself. It's like, oh, no, 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 I'll serve you. Like, sometimes I think just you need to, in humility, let them serve you. Like, man, I tell you, when I first started pastoring, that was so awkward for me. I was like, no, 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 I got it. Like, no, pastor, we want to serve you. Or, hey, we want to do this. And it's like, you understand I can go get my own water, Pip, right? He's like, yeah, I got you, bro. Sit down. I'm going to go get your water. Like, unnegotiate. Like, I can't even negotiate with the guy. He's going to do it. So, but there's a give and take, right? That doesn't mean that I'm... And definitely understand this, you shouldn't ever get to a position where you just expect to be served. That's the difference. Like, all right, I'm sitting here, I'm right, you know, I'm not even going to get up here to preach till my five guys pick me up and carry me to the stage. Come on. Like, we're not, we don't want to, we don't ever want to get beyond serving and waiting to be served. But I tell you what, it is hard to like be served. But if you allow me to serve you, it allows me to be blessed by being a blessing to you. And you get to receive that blessing, and it's reciprocated back and forth that I bless you, you bless me. But if I don't ever allow you to serve me, I rob you of that blessing. So that's why it's a give and take. No, no, I got you, brother. You go first. Hey, man, you know, you get this seat. I'm going to go find another seat. I don't know where I'm going to sit because it's always my seat. But I'll go find another. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. How many of y'all get bummed out when your seat's took? Don't be late. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> like, if you're late, be like, man, they're sitting in my seat. Man, if you, hey, if anybody ever kicks some, somebody out of their seat, I'm going to bust you up. They ain't your seat. It's the church's seat, all right? All right, so we want, we want to let others serve us. Um, so in this story of the paralyzed man, do you understand he could do nothing for himself? Man, but there were some guys that came around him and served him and were so committed to bring him to the house of God and get him close to Jesus so that there might be change. This is radical love. This is radical serving. But there's something that happens when you have to be dependent on others. So he was fully dependent on his friends. How many of you thank God for good godly friends? Man, that will come along, that will pick you up, that are willing to, to produce radical love. Um, by bringing you close and helping you meeting those needs. Um, when the people of God come together, I believe there is faith and there is promise in the room to, to accomplish great things where we can be expecting God for amazing moments. So our combined faith is a catalyst to see amazing things among us. The Spirit of God, actually, passage in Scripture says that it, it inhabits, He comes and He rests and He comes and dwells in the room of people praising he inhabits, he comes near, he draws close when the people of God begin to sing and begin to, to celebrate. Um, you know, I think that's why it's important, like, when we all sing the same song, and then the song's biblical, and the song is actually exalting God in a way that brings, brings pleasure to his heart, why would he not want to come close to us? Right? Tell you what, if I caught my kids singing a song about me that was genuine and sincere, and I overheard them from the other room, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come a little closer because it's blessing my heart. And I want to make sure I don't miss any of it. And then when I show up, I'm blessed. They're blessed. And we have that fellowship and that relationship that, that I'm talking about. The presence of God shows up. But we've got to serve each other, right? So number one, they experience the power of the Lord. Number two, they experience the power of serving others. Uh, number three, they experience the power of the persevering saints. Now, let me tell you this. I am thankful for faithful, faithfully, faithful, godly men and women that have just continued to work hard for the sake of others. 
But they get to experience the power of that. So these men who were carrying their friend were absolutely convinced that if they could get to Jesus, his situation would immediately change. Because I'll tell you what, if there was any doubt, I'm not working as hard as those guys to get my buddy to Jesus. So when we look at that story, they picked him up, they carried him, they got him close. Um, So what, what kind of friends do you have in your life? You know, when we think about the persevering saints, the godly men and women, uh, share a quick quote with you. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. It's like, well, I don't like where I'm at. Well, who are you hanging out with? Who are you around? Like you're around people that are encouraging or you're around people that are discouraging you. You know, what, what kind of friends do you have around you? Um, this is, this is kind of challenging because I know we're all the work in progress, but you know, um, I've always heard where they say, don't hang out with people you don't want to be like. Hang around with those that you want to be like. Because you want that to rub off on you. You don't want the bad nature, all the bad things are doing to rub off on you. How many of you know that kind of seems to be true? And I think a lot of times like, no, I got it. They're not going to influence me like that. And then you start doing stupid stuff just like they're doing. You don't know why you're doing it. But you're hanging out with them. They were influencing you. But hang around with those people you want to be like. Show me your friends. And I will show you your future. Far too often that is seen to be true. Now this passage, it uses the wording some men. It doesn't really specify, but I tell you what, guys that are carrying a friend, getting them close to Jesus, I believe that these were believers that were church men. They were brothers in the faith. They were convinced that said, hey, we know the solution to this problem. Let me help you get, let me help get you there. They were believers in the faith. They made up in their mind that if they could get close to Jesus, that he would be healed. They were persevering. That word persevering means continuing in a course of action despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. That's exactly what they did. Uh, Men and women, you know, in our lives and the persevering saints, men and women who will not give up, who will do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, man, I got you, bro. I'm going to help you. Let me help you. Um, so we, we look at that. What did they do? They climbed. So they looked. They couldn't get to Jesus first. They looked and said, man, we can't get there. What are we going to do? Maybe most of us have been like, hey, the church is too full. We're going to have to come back next service. And I come back next weekend. <laughs> they didn't do that. What did they do? They climbed to the roof. They removed the tiles from the ceiling of that home. And they lowered the friend at the feet of Jesus. Now, look at this passage as it unravels. Um, I believe that, like I said, these persevering saints, I don't think these were just the pastors and the teachers. These were mothers. These were fathers. These were brothers. These were sisters. These were co-laborers in the faith. But these are the kind of people that God wants to use to help you, maybe, to help others. But we see through this faithfulness that, you know, um, through this the power of these persevering saints, that the life was changed. Number four, and this is the last one, he got to experience the power of a changed life. And that's one of the most important things. Like when I walk away from it, like if it didn't work or it didn't stick or something didn't change, what are we doing? What's the point? Okay, so understand, you know, that experiencing a changed life means that you leave differently than you came. Understand this, the same day that the man was paralyzed and helpless was the same day that he was healed and forgiven. Come on, (laughs) think about that, man. I can't walk, I can't do anything. I'm I'm overwhelmed by sin. And that same day, you think he knew that? Probably not. 
He was just laying there and three buddies showed up and said, hey, I know what we can do. Those persevering saints, those ones who were willing to serve, that radical love of serving others, they picked their brother up and said, we're going to get you to the feet of Jesus. We're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to get you close. But that same day that he was probably woke up and he said, man, I feel like it's going to be like it's always been. I didn't walk yesterday. Why would I walk today? I'm covered in my sin today. Why would I be forgiven today? But the change was very close. That same day, he literally walked himself home. Man, I, just, I don't need my mat no more. Like, can you imagine? This is what happens when people show up and they get close to God, when we bring people with us. But there's even more to this story. It didn't only encourage and bless the individual. Everyone was blessed. This passage actually says, you know, this, this caught my attention. It says, the passage says, when Jesus saw the faith of the men carrying the one that was lame, not the one on the mat, but the friends, he said, oh man, this is some crazy faith. This is some spiritual faith. You know, and then my mind kind of went to that passage. It says, you know, um, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. They accomplished great things. And that's all I can say. These guys were praying. These guys were believing. They said, man, if we can get him there, God will do his part through Jesus, and we're going to see a miracle day. So he noticed their faith that, you know, it wasn't the man on the mat, but it was the men carrying him. And he said, hey, get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. So we are the catalyst. We are the ones that are to be full of faith. But guess what? We just get the jokers to church. That's all we do. We say, come on, man, this is, it's going to be good. Come with me. This is a big old boy that don't want to come. Call four of us. We'll carry him to church, literally. I don't know like what it needs, but bring them. Let's work hard at getting people here and then expect God to do something great as, we, as, as they come close to the feet of Jesus. The paralyzed man's life was not the only life that was changed. All the individuals present were changed. When we bring others and they experience the power of God, it truly changes everyone in the room. I'll tell you what, somebody walks in here or like gets wheelchaired in here that can't walk and they leave walking. I'll tell you what, I'm going to be all kinds of excited and pumped up about that experience. And I'm not going to be mad about like, well, why can't I walk? I don't need to walk. They needed to walk. And God moved mightily. But it causes an excitement. It causes celebration in our lives. So we're going to be amazed. It's going to stir faith. It's going to cause new faith. It's even going to allow us to tap into great faith. It's a whole other message, but different levels of faith. But man, it increases our faith when we experience things like that. For the believer and the non-believer. You're in the room and you see something like that. Like, man, I don't know, but some, some good stuff's going on in here. And maybe, perhaps, it would open up their heart to believe that God is good. And that they would give their life to Jesus today in this moment. So the challenge for you, church, this morning is, what will you do to bring others with you? Don't, don't expect me to bring everybody and invite everybody. What are you going to do to bring others with you? Ask yourself this question. When was the last time you brought someone to church with you? And remember this. Don't just invite them. Go pick them up. Let them know what time you're swinging by to get them. Without excuse, call them on Saturday. Hey, what you doing? Oh, I had a lot of plans. You need to go to sleep because I'm picking you up in the morning. Right? Be intentional. Be proactive. Go pick them up. You know, uh, 
People's lives get changed by bringing them to church. Get to experience the presence of God. Get to experience His goodness. But when we bring others, they experience the power of the Lord. They experience and they see the power of us serving each other. They experience the power of those persevering saints. And they experience the power of a changed life. Even if you don't like the first three, you cannot argue with the last one. If change happens, if your life changes, your whole perception of everything changes. So will you commit to be like these men that work together to see the life of someone else changed? Now, before we close, I do want to give you a practical way to be able to do that. So we have our annual celebration that we do every single year. Now, how many of you know Pastor Noe loves invite cards to the core of who I am? Because guess what? If you're not good at inviting people, this is always my joke. Slide them a card and slowly back away. The card will almost do everything you need to do that inviting. But we're going to have um, this celebration November 5th. It's going to be in the evening this week, this, this time around this year. But we have them all over, which I, I say all over. We have them on all of the countertops. You should see them. I got a whole box uh, right here that I'll leave. But I, I want to encourage you at least take two of them and at least invite two people. Can you go like this? Don't be intimidated by that number. Like a whole two, Pastor? Yeah, like a whole two. Invite two people. It's an easy invite. But I'm believing at that meeting, at that event, we're going to have a great time. It's going to be full of the presence of God. We're going to eat. We're going to play games. We're going to fellowship. They're going to see the church family for what it is. We're going to have a great time. So I want to encourage you to do that. So uh, two ways that you can really, really help. You can, you can help by inviting, but you can also help by serving. Okay, so... Um, I think on the back it'll give you the details as far as for the event. There's a QR code on there for the details and for the signing up because stuff like this doesn't happen without volunteers and all of those things. So can I get some of y'all to commit to do that? Will somebody invite somebody so we can radically change that statistic? Right? Let's let four people not invite somebody, right? You turn into 98% of our church is actually reaching out. It's a cool statistic change, huh? We're all doing it. How many of you are here because somebody brought you or invited you to church? Lift your hand up real high for me just so I can really get a good look. A majority of us. We didn't come by accident. Every now and then we'll say, hey, how'd you get here? Well, I was just driving by and the Holy Ghost told me to pull in. I said, okay. <laughs> that does happen, but most of the time we are here because of an invitation. Um, here's how I want to challenge you this morning. So, it's like, what do you do with this? I started by saying the most important thing in our lives is knowing Jesus. Number one. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. You need to make sure that your eternity is secure. Secondly, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, let's try to bring as many people with us as possible. That would be the commission part. Going, seeking, saving that which is lost being a testimony to those. Um, if I can invite our prayer teams up this morning. So um, I know this is kind of a different message today, but um, I would say twofold. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day as, as I pray over you and I dismiss you, I want you to come up and get that right.
Um, secondly, can you go ahead and stand up with me? Secondly, I would, I, I guess I want to say if you have an unhealthy fear of sharing the gospel with others and you want that to change, that God would do that in your heart, that you would be bold and that you would create courage. You know, I mean, does that, does that word bear witness with somebody like you have this crazy fear of sharing the gospel with others? Because that is not the spirit of God inside of us. That is the spirit of man. That is the fear of man. That is not the spirit of God because the spirit of God is in us to reach and save the whole world. So if that's you this morning, I think I do want you to respond to that. If you just get somebody that said, man, I just want to have that bold, courageous spirit where I'll tell others about Jesus. And I'll know what to say. And we, like I said, we're going to move into this next series of the Holy Spirit, how to be led by the Holy Spirit, how to minister by the Holy Spirit. He's going to help us do all of these things. But we got to leave that fear of man about what other people think behind and do what God has called us to do. So we find Jesus first. And then secondly, we want to commit to lead as many people to Jesus as possible. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here this morning. Father, I pray you bless them. Father, I pray that today that we would just feel an overwhelming sense of your goodness and your presence in our life. Father, if there is anyone here that does not have a relationship with you, Lord, I ask that right now you would help them to know that. And Father, that they would respond just by coming forward and let one of these prayer partners know that uh, they want to have that relationship with you today. And Father, today is... Uh, Maybe there's some dealing with this, I would say, excessive fear of telling others about you. Father, I pray that would be broken off of their life today. That we would be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.